Hey guys, so excited to welcome you to the first episode of The Truth of the Matter. I am Will Witt, as you can obviously tell by my amazing, awesome voice. Definitely Will Witt, and want to give a plug to PragerU right now. Head over to PragerU.com and buy yourself a Will Witt pillow. I almost said potato. <laughs> Anyways, we're off to a bad start already. My name is Jake Fay, and I'm so excited to welcome you to... The first episode of The Truth of the Matter, I am not Will Witt. He's got a pretty cool voice, though. Not as cool as mine. But anyways, I'm just going to jump right into the first episode, an amazing interview with an amazing man, Nathaniel Mervar. Absolutely honored to be speaking with him. I have wanted to start a podcast for several months now, and I've known that I wanted my first episode to be with Nathaniel Mervar. So excited to let him share his wisdom with you. He's got a great perspective. Thank you again so much for joining me, and welcome to episode one of The Truth of the Matter. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this short break. All right. Thank you, Nathaniel, so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you. To start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your organizations, Because of Jesus Films, Patriot Watchman USA, and what inspires you at such a young age to do so much for this great country? Yeah, I appreciate having me on today, Jake. It's been good to know you and really excited to see where this podcast is going to go. So yeah, my name is Nathaniel Mervar. I'm from Because of Jesus Films. I started that film company when I was about 13 years of age. And this past year, we launched an initiative called Patriot Watchman USA, just seeing how our country is going in a route we don't really want to see it. We founded it to help with a lot of the stuff that went on with the 2020 election. And then as far as the film side of things that I do, I've just had a passion for storytelling from such a young age. I used to go out back in my yard and just walk around and make up stories in my head. And so I've always enjoyed that aspect. And I found it about age 13, I could do something called stop motion. And so I started making films through that and found I really enjoyed it. And I like to say that entertainment is the most powerful teaching tool in today's culture. A lot of the things that have become normalized in our society that are really bad for our society, entertainment has been used to facilitate that. And so we need more Christians in the arts if people are going to take these tools and use them to promote that which is true and right. And so BOJF is just an initiative of that. And we make everything from documentaries to shorts to live action films to stop motion. Uh, we do it all. And it's really exciting to take this tool and use it to proclaim truth in an area that a lot of times is be using, being used to proclaim falsehoods instead. Yeah, I've been honored to get to know you. And one of the things I've really come to appreciate about you is you're a man of great faith. You're passionate about serving God. And it's that love that influences you to stay involved in politics, which, as you know, is very rare in the American church, especially in our generation. There seems to be a massive disconnect between what people say they believe and their political views. And a lot of well-meaning Christians say that Christians just shouldn't be involved in politics, which I know is something that you and I have talked about. I understand their perspectives. I disagree with them, but you have a lot of experience, as I said, combining that love for God and love for country. How would you respond to those people? Yeah, it really is an interesting question because I can testify the past two years, 
I've lost a lot of my positions of influence in different ministries and places because I've chosen to be involved in the political spectrum. And I was basically told that's great, but that's no place for the church. That's no place for a Bible study. So we're going to ask you to step down. And it's really come down to, I've started to realize the past couple of years in my life, I'm still learning about this question, but we have been taught a lot of lies as far as growing up in the church. And I'm not saying it's because these people are intentionally lying to us. There's just a lot of deception. And we've bought into this deception that the enemy has been very careful sowing into our minds. And so when it comes to politics, I, I don't really like the word politics because it, it's this word that everyone kind of wants to stay away from. And really politics is nothing more than Christian ethics, Christian beliefs, and Bible principles played out in the public realm. Immigration is a biblical issue. I just read the first five books of the Bible recently, and I couldn't believe how much stuff in immigration there was there. I was like, wow, God has laid out all these, these rules about immigration and how he wants us to handle that. We could talk about abortion, or as I like to call it, you know, infanticide. It's, it's murder of innocent babies. You know, scripture talks about that, it talks about unborn life and how that is to be treated with the same respect as, as those who are born. Scripture talks about marriage. Scripture talks about um, finances. There's all these topics scripture covers. And we've had this disconnect in the church that somehow we're not supposed to be involved in the public realm. It's right. this mentality of my faith is a Sunday thing and the rest of the week, it doesn't impact. It's not supposed to impact my business. It's not supposed to impact my politics. It's not supposed to impact my entertainment. It's kind of a private thing on the side. And that is contrary completely contrary to what our founding fathers believed. As I read what they talked about, they firmly believe that the biblical principles found in the Bible are the only way you're going to have a good government. And a lot of people have told me, no, they don't really believe that. They believe that the Bible is important. It's kind of an afterthought. But you go back and read their quotes. They're saying the, the only foundation for Republican principles of our constitutional republic we've established are found in the Bible. And you see that constantly there's this understanding that we're to be involved in every sphere of life. I call it a fake gospel. You know, we talk about fake news. There's a fake gospel going around. Right. And it's this concept that we just want to be about the gospel. I hear a lot of churches going to, we're just about the gospel. We want to be a gospel-centered church. But what they mean by that is we preach the gospel on Sunday you're a sinner. Jesus died for you. He rose again. You need to repent and put your faith in him. And that's it. That's the gospel that we're preaching. But that's half the side of the coin because yes, people need to get saved. On the other side, there's this holy living that God has right. called us to. And if my faith is not impacting every area of my life, I'm not living as a Christian. I'm living something else because my faith should impact everything. And as far as government, why would I not want my leaders to be people who fear God? You know, we, I was recently reading about the oaths they take and how they say, you know, so help me God, or they have their hand on the Bible. And the idea of that was the founding fathers is that the men in government, when they take that oath, there's really nothing we can do besides, you know, vote them out a lot of times to hold them accountable to that oath. But it was this idea that they are appealing to God and saying that I'm promising to uphold the constitution and if I don't, may God deal with me. And so faith and politics goes hand in hand. You cannot disconnect the two. 
And really the church needs to start pushing out some of this, this teaching that we've brought in that gives us only half the gospel of just being saved, but doesn't talk about that holy living side of things. Right. That's such an excellent point. And I think Christians have a tendency to just sit around and whine and complain about the moral failings of our government and politicians, but really it's, it's our fault. It's the church's fault for decades. As you're saying, people of faith have compromised on truth. We've surrendered the culture. We're no longer the religious and moral people that we once were. How do we fix that? Where does the church need to start in correcting those issues? What does the church need to do to restore biblical morality into culture? That's a great question. And just you mentioning how talking about how we like to complain is so true. And so often people say, I don't want to get involved in politics because it's just so messy. Right. Well, (laughs) being involved in people's lives is messy. The church is messy. I've been there for 20 over 20 years. I can testify to that. So it's really this idea that we need to start realizing life's hard. It's, It's not it's not a walk in the park. We've gotten really comfortable in America. I think that's part of the problem we see even as I was reading scripture, I'm in judges right now. And you see the Israelites times are good and they fall away from the Lord. Times get bad. Oh, we need the Lord. And they come back to him and then cycle goes all over again. And so we're kind of in that right now. We've experienced so much freedom and the blessings of Liberty, which is great, but it's dead in a lot of the church because we've gotten comfortable. Uh, As it says in the old Testament, you know, Israel grew fat and just forgot with the Lord's goodness and, and, and drifted on. To get back to that, the church has got to be willing to get uncomfortable. That's what I've learned the past two years is I've been bringing politics, you know, biblical issues in the public realm home to church. A lot of people have it like that. And it's funny because we like to use this phrase, iron sharpens iron. We talk about it all the time. Oh, iron sharpens iron. Oh yeah, we just came from an event. That was so awesome. My dad has a grinder out in the garage and I've watched him sharpen blades. And as he sharpens those blades, sparks are going everywhere. There's this grinding sound. It's really loud. It's basically that metal is scraping away metal. That's iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron isn't, I come to an event, we all think the same. Yeah, so this is all great and awesome. No, it should be, it should be hard. We should be grading on each other. We should be having hard discussions. I know you and I have participated in Patriot Academy. And that's one thing that's so great about that is because we all have the same, we all have the same end goal. We want to live in freedom and liberty and we want to see our constitution preserved. But boy, (laughs) do we have some heated discussions as we grind on each other and figure out how to apply those principles, which is great because so often, oh, I've never thought about that because I don't think about that because you come from a different perspective or different area of culture than I do. And so we need to bring back iron sharpens iron to the church and the willingness to be uncomfortable. So often it seems that the church is afraid of lies being brought in. And and I I understand that. I understand you don't want the sheep to be led astray. But I read a quote from Thomas Jefferson yesterday, and he said, truth can stand by itself. In other words, when lies are brought in, that's actually a good thing because the truth can stand by itself. And when those lies are brought up and compared, he talked about the free market of ideas, that, that competition of, oh, wait a moment, Christianity is way superior than anything else. These biblical morals and values are way superior than anything else. And so we've got to be 
stop worrying about the false things that we brought in. And we've got to be willing to let them to be talked about. And I think sometimes the church suppresses things because do we have the truth? If, if I'm concerned about you challenging my beliefs, am I really living in the truth? Or is it possible I think that I've got some faulty ideology that I don't want challenged? So by all means, I want people to challenge me. If you disagree with me, challenge me. Right. Because if I'm yeah. wrong, I want to get on the side of right. And the church has got to be willing to let go of tradition, to let go of the teachings it's had for decades that have been wrong about politics and be willing to really step back from things because it's easy to get in a pattern. And I understand it's hard to adjust too, because I'm 23 years old right now. I'm going, man, I wish I'd known all these things about freedom and liberty from our founding fathers 20 years ago. Right. When I had more time, especially during my education to dedicate time. So I'm having a hard time adjusting at 23. I can't imagine someone in their 60s or their 50s or 70s who's been living this way all their life and now is starting to go, maybe I got something wrong. It's hard to admit that. But the church has to be willing to admit and say, you know what, maybe there's something more to this than we've missed. And the last point I like to make about this is in my life, I am starting to try to become less and less concerned about whether I'm right, because I'm not right. I don't have the standard for morality. It's either I'm on the side of right or I'm not. And if that's my concern, and it's not about me being right, I can admit when I'm wrong a lot easier because it's no longer about me. And we have to get away from this ideology of you're right, I'm right, you're wrong. No, God is right. And we're either on his side of right or we're not. And if the church would just get that opinion and that viewpoint back in mind, instead of this, I want to be right mentality, I think it'd be a lot easier for us to start talking about some of these issues in culture without actually getting all tied up in a knot about who's right. Yeah, that's such a good point, because as you said, in order to grow, we have to become there has to be pain. There has to be some uncomfort with where we are. So having those subjects um, really challenging our own preconceived notions about things is a good thing. If we want to grow one of those subjects that the church doesn't want to handle or a lot of churches. And I want to get your perspective on this is the advice, the Biden administration. What is your assessment of his presidency thus far? Just give me a summary of the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we've seen from Joe Biden as president? So a lot of people get wrapped up in personalities. Uh, we've saw that in the past four years with people just really not liking Donald Trump's personality or whatever, but we have to be willing to look at things objectively. And I like to use the example that I heard from someone recently he said, okay, you need a surgery. It's a really important surgery. It's gonna be pretty difficult. And you have two doctors to choose from. And you've got one doc, <laughs> he's a little bit brash. He's kind of a little harsh with people. He's just got a hard personality to get along with. But this guy has done this surgery hundreds of times. He's at 100% success rate. The guy's a phenomenal surgeon, but he's a little rough around the edges. And over here, we got this other guy. Oh, he's great with the patients. He, he's just such a likable guy. He's so nice. He's just a great guy, really easy to get along with. He's only done this surgery about a half dozen times and he's got eh, about a 50% success rate. <laughs> Who are you going to go with? Yeah, you know? I know what, yeah, or, I know what I'm picking. Right. Or even if the guy's done hundreds of times and he's only got a 50% success rate, you know, anybody's nice. I mean, who cares? You want the guy who's going to get the job done. And so that's why I was a big fan of Donald Trump. And I'll be honest at first, I was very skeptical for Trump 
I voted for him because I thought he would be a little bit better than Hillary Clinton, you know, right. but he surprised me and he did so many things of the values that I believe in. I was recently just thinking about the border crisis we have going on right now and how Trump cracked down on trafficking. That was, that's a huge thing for me. I, I'm very passionate about seeing modern day human slavery come to an end. We're often so busy talking about the sins of the past. We're missing what's going on right now. And he cracked down on that. And I was so proud to see him do that. He stood with pro-life policies of fighting for the unborn. He secured our borders. So he did the job. He did the job right, even if he was maybe brash sometimes in doing it. And as far as the Biden administration, I'm not surprised anything I'm seeing. This is why I fought so hard with Patriot Watchmen USA and other initiatives to see the continued policies of the previous administration go forth. Because as far as from a Christian standpoint, we've seen the Biden administration reinstate funding for abortions overseas. In other words, our taxpayer dollars once again are being used to murder innocent babies in their mother's wombs. Okay, that right there, I don't care how many good things the Biden administration's done, that's out for me. If yeah. you're not going to protect life, it's most vulnerable state, I don't care how many nice things you're doing. We've seen some bombshell reportings come out of the border and the crisis that we got down there. And it's funny how the Democrats have changed their tune. Oh, it's all about the kids in cages. How horrible that Trump had kids in cages. And now Biden administration is even worse. But I think AOC recently is blaming on climate change now. So, so, <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> so something's changed between you know, those 30 days of a different administration. But we see the border crisis. And I know immigration is a really touchy subject, but I'll just real quickly tackle this from a biblical standpoint. God deeply cares about borders. I just read the book of Joshua, and I'm telling you, Jake, there are very tedious chapters where you're reading, and God gave this portion of land to the clan of Manasseh, and he gave them this city and this city, and the border extended to this river and to this wall, and it's just, it's real tedious to read. <laughs> but reading that this year, I realized, wow, God really cares about borders. He went through chapter after chapter to highlight the boundaries of his people's land. And not only that, he tells them, okay, the Edomites, you don't try to take a foot of their ground. I ain't going to give you an inch because I have given this portion of land to them as their everlasting possession. So wait a moment. God is in his word very clearly stating, respect the boundaries of other nations. I'm establishing these boundaries. And even the apostle Paul in Acts talks about that, that God set the boundaries of nations. So we have this biblical concept of border control, and people like to talk about kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, hell has open borders and heaven has borders. So God cares about borders, and part of it, too, is open border system is, is paving the way for the Antichrist of a one-world government. So from a biblical standpoint, borders are very important. And then from a moral standpoint, for instance, my house has four walls, and I decide who comes in. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty liberal with who I let in. You know, I, I'm, I don't have a long stringent list of rules that you have to agree with everything I say, or, you know, you have to dress a certain way and have access to my house. But there's a few things, you know, uh, if you're on my property, uh, you're not going to be harming anyone on my property. Obviously. I mean, you're not right. going to be bringing in illegal substances or you know doing black market deals at my house. That's why we have border patrol because Trafficking's real, and kids are being trafficked into America for the sex trade. That, that's horrific. That alone should make you want borders. 
Yeah. We could talk about the illegal drugs pouring in. And I'm all about immigration. I'm all about people coming illegally. I want people to come to America. You know, this is the greatest country in the world. Why wouldn't you want to come here? But you got to come in legally. And we right. want to know that you have a good record. If, if you're a serial killer trying to escape from Mexico, we want to know that. And I can't know that if you're just coming in my back door when I'm not around. I want to have a vetting process in place. And so we see this border crisis that has been facilitated by the Biden administration. And, and I don't even like saying the word Biden administration with all the craziness of the 2020 election, because, you know, all that. I'm not even talking about the fraud, but the unconstitutional ways that states twisted their voter laws. But then the other thing that really concerns me with the Biden administration from a Christian standpoint is this gender ideology that's coming out. And the Biden administration now, if you're in our military and you want to transition to, you know, another gender, they're going to pay for that. And I saw a tweet from our army recently that says we're going to be more diverse. Diversity is so important and we want to bring that to the military. And I'm telling you, Jake, <laughs> I was reading it thinking, yeah, I, I'm so concerned that, you know, we have a diverse army. I mean, that's <laughs> so important because when it comes to the day of battle, it's all about who has the most diverse army that wins the day. We want a strong army. I want an army that can absolutely annihilate anyone who tries to, to harm us. That's my concern. You know, I want a strong right. army. I, I could care less if it's 50%, you know, Latino or black or white. I mean, who cares? It's about having a strong military that will get the job done. Hey guys, I hate to do this, but I'm going to split this interview with Nathaniel up over two weeks. So if you want to catch the second part, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Part two will air next week, and I'm so excited for you to hear what Nathaniel has to share with us. He's got so much wisdom, and it's such an honor for me to have him on this podcast, and such an honor that you would be joining me. Thank you guys so much. Remember, subscribe to this podcast and share it around. And also, remember to head over to PragerU.com and get yourself a Will Wit pillow. If, for some reason, you don't like Will Wit, and I don't know why you wouldn't, but you can also get a Dennis Prager pillow. If you're having trouble sleeping at night, I recommend getting either a Dennis Prager or Will Witt pillow. If you're having a lot of trouble, I recommend getting both. Anyways, thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of The Truth of the Matter. Please subscribe, share this podcast around, and join us next week to catch the second part of my interview with Nathaniel Marvar. God bless.